I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. Paying for college shouldn't be the hardest part of higher education. Hi, it's Rena Ninen, co-host of the Ask Lisa podcast. I recently spoke with U.S. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona about FAFSA, the free application for student aid. Did you know you can apply for financial aid today and you'll get a response within one to three days? Check out our show notes to the link for the full interview on our Ask Lisa podcast YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe for the latest videos from Lisa and me. That's the Ask Lisa podcast YouTube channel. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting now in the midst of a pandemic. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 18, can online socializing go too far? How are you holding up? <laughs> you know, that's exactly right. That's what we ask people now, right? Not like, how are you? I'm, I'm asking people the same thing, like, how you holding up? How you doing? Um, I'm okay. I'm okay. But I am, I think like everybody, just tired of the pandemic. It's just mm-hmm. so wearing and so mm-hmm. tedious, even if we're past the initial sense of crisis around it. Yeah. How are you? You know, I I feel hope because there are all these vaccines, and I know the light just the switch doesn't get turned on once they get distributed, right? It takes a little bit of time, but I feel more optimistic. But I hate winters. I'm a Florida girl who does not know why I'm in the Northeast, and um, there's so much that I am dreading. And you know, when you go through this and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do you pull yourself out when you know it's going to be a long road ahead? Like, how do you cope? What do you do? I think right now it's very day to day. Yeah, and and I know we've talked about coping so much in the podcast. And one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is that you know good coping is also in its own way kind of tedious. Like to make sure that you are getting good exercise and make sure that you're eating well and preserve your sleep. That that's its own project and its own sense of effort. And I, I've been sort of toying with this metaphor, and it's corny, but I think it works 
which is for me, you know, the the pandemic is like this extremely long rainstorm and good coping feels like rain gear. That, you know, when you have to go out in the rain, it's sort of a pain to put on all your rain gear, you know, to put on your jacket, you know, your your raincoat and get your umbrella and get your good boots or whatever. But it makes it easier to stand out in the rain. And I think that's how I am trying to continue to rally to use my good coping is to think this is the equivalent of putting on my raincoat and getting my umbrella and putting on my boots is to really be disciplined about getting myself to bed and to really be disciplined about, you know, making sure I'm walking enough. But um, for me, it feels day to day to just make myself continue to use good coping because that's what we can do right now. And also just... I think for me, it's basic things. It's just sometimes making it through the day is like a huge achievement, you know? And and I realize on my to-do list, we talk a lot about to-do lists. I don't check yeah. one thing off. Like I just feel like I don't check one thing off, but there are maybe other things around the house or things that needed to be sorted where that just comes first. But it also makes me think about socializing and, and you know, we, we've allowed certain things like, for instance, the use of, of television or Xbox or yeah. whatever it is that you've just become lenient. You've really helped me understand, like, you shouldn't be, this is not the time to be militant about this. And we got this letter from this mom who has a similar question about socializing and when is too much too much. Hey, Lisa, I'm worried about my parenting choices and my 14-year-old daughter. With the craziness of the pandemic, we've pretty much allowed our daughter to be on her phone all of the time. That's all in caps, by the way. (laughs) Our reasoning is that as long as her grades are staying up and her attitude is good, we don't have a problem with her FaceTiming, snapping, etc. She's always been good about talking to us, keeping us in the loop about the things she sees and does. I'm not really worried about her making bad choices. So it's hard to say what I am worried about. So I guess it's that she stays up till one or two in the morning and sleeps until noonish and is on her phone constantly. She doesn't have anywhere to be, so it really just doesn't feel normal. But then what does these days? Am I screwing her up by letting her stay up till all hours of the night? Thanks. What do you think? Hmm. I mean, I've always been told that you've got to, sleep is important, right? You got to stick to sleep. It is important. And what's interesting is there's, I mean, there's so much in this letter. One is like, yep, the kid is doing what she's supposed to do. She's a good kid. She's, you know, well-behaved. She's, you know, communicative with her parents. Her grades are high. Her attitude's good. Like, I can see why the parents like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to mess with this, right? Especially in the pandemic. One of the things I'm thinking is, how can she sleep till noon every day? You know, like, what is the Mm -hmm. school schedule that she has that makes that possible? But it does sound like it. It sounds like in the in the letter, the parent is saying that she stays up. The child stays up till one or two in the morning, and then is sleeping till about noon. Um, so in some ways, I'm like, well, she's actually getting a decent amount of sleep. Ah, good but, point. Um, that's a lot of late night socializing, mm-hmm. right? And so there's, I think, one way to slice it is. I do have this question, like, how come this kid does not have to be anywhere before noon? But apparently she doesn't, and she's on top of school. So we'll just leave that be. Different schools are dealing with things in different ways. Um, We should play this out in the way I think it is playing out in a lot of families' homes, where sleep is, in fact, being compromised. So let's, let's come back to that. For this child, the questions that to me feel like we want to tease apart are, you know, okay, so presuming she's getting enough sleep, what does it mean to have her schedule so shifted 
which is something that I think a lot of families were dealing with, especially in the summer when kids, you know, were staying up late and then sleeping in late. And is that okay? So that's one question. And then the second question is, should she be on her phone all the time? Should that really be the main, in fact, it sounds like total way that she's getting downtime? But Lisa, do you know any teen who isn't on their phone all the time? Like every time I'm at a grocery store or somewhere, I see teens, they're all texting, (laughs) they're on their phone, right? So like, right, right. I, I just, I don't have a teen. I don't quite know where to stand on that. It is a really difficult parenting issue when you have a teenager under normal conditions, right? And then in the pandemic. And that's really what the heart of this question is, is, you know, if they cannot see their friends in person, how, you know, do we have any sturdy ground for saying you need to get away from your phone or you need to take a break from your phone? And I think this is a really legit question right now. And so certainly, just to address the sleep question off the top, which may or may not be an issue in this, you know, in this particular family, it doesn't sound like it is. It just sounds like this, you know, is a strange configuration of the circadian cycle. But yes, for sure, we can put down the hammer on phones and technology if they're disrupting sleep. And I feel very strongly about this. I'm I'm actually, I think, generally pretty relaxed about a lot of things around kids and technology right up to the question of sleep and probably pornography being the other one where I get really rigid and really um, kind of, you know, do what you can to prevent exposure to pornography. But it shouldn't disrupt sleep. So if you have a kiddo who is taking phone or tech into their bedroom and you know they are using it when they're supposed to be sleeping, I would say that is a fight worth having. So in terms of that question, Rena, about when do we definitely separate teens from their phones or tweens from their phones? When they're supposed to be sleeping, that is definitely a time and definitely something that parents should be modeling themselves. You know, they, we should also not let technology get in the way of our sleep. So if you put the sleep issue aside for a second, how much is too much time on the phone? Like when should you really be regulating? When is it a problem? Okay, so this is interesting, right? Because what this parent describes is what sounds like socializing, right? Snapping and texting and being in touch with friends. And they don't really have another option right now for being with their peers. And then it gets into this question of, do we tell them they can't? Or we tell them they've got to slow down or stop? And I really like the way this parent is reasoning, which is basically, she's a good kid, doing the right things, you know, talking to us. And I can see why it's been hard to set some limits. And so the way to think about it would be first making sure the child is actually doing other stuff too, right? Like they do need to have variety in their lives beyond digital school or, you know, whatever version of school there is and phones. So there does need to be some sense of helping out around the house or helping out around the community and being physically active and engaged with the environment a little bit beyond, you know, school and phone. And I think parents can reasonably hold that expectation and have some values around what we think it's important for everyone to do in the course of a day and model that and then hold kids to that. But I do think there's a lot of room here for saying that the technology is in some ways a tremendous gift 
to young people right now. And you know, this is a 14-year-old. They want to be with their peers. And can you imagine, Rena, if we had had the pandemic when we were teenagers and could not see our friends and then we're having to wrangle about the one family phone line to connect with mm. our friends? <laughs> it's true. And for some of us, it was corded. Yes. We didn't even have cordless at one point. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so I think there's really room for latitude, especially with all the caveats that this parent has put in place, right? Good kid, trustworthy. I mean, all kids are good, but, you know, well-behaved kid and trustworthy and, you know, um, handling things well at school. I think with all of those caveats, a lot of room to connect with peers digitally is a fair thing. So, you know, in this letter, the mom's like, you know, I'm good with her. I'm okay. The problem isn't being online. Like, she's she's kind of okay with that. She trusts she's got good judgment. She's proven to have good judgment. What do you do if you've got a kid who's online socially all the time, but you don't quite trust their judgment? Yeah. Right. That's when it gets a lot more interesting <laughs> and a lot a more complicated. Well, and and most kids are impulsive. Right. It's that age, right? It's that it, age. it comes with the territory. And and again, like looking back, Rena, like, boy, I did some dumb stuff that I am so glad was basically limited to the analog universe that, you, you know, I lived in then and did not have a life and did not have a record and did not get was not shareable. And the problem, of course, is that now, you know, kids are still kids and kids still do dumb things. And sometimes they do really dumb things impulsively online and don't show good judgment. And it definitely has broader ramifications. So how do we get through that as parents? Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, so here's a question for you. Do either of your kids have phones yet? They're eight and nine. Where are you on that? You know, they don't have phones, but because of Xbox, he does have iCloud messaging. So he's constantly checking the iCloud messaging now, which is on my account. Um, and it's a way of communicating. And then at one point this week or the week before, I was just like, get off this. You guys are texting all the time. But then I realized, you know, they're talking to each other. It's mm-hmm. totally harmless, totally mm-hmm. harmless. They're making fun of someone who, you know, in their group who does like cheddar is like a total joke about something. And, you know, I, is that such a bad thing? Like they're communicating. They, they have a social connection there. They all feel good about it. Like, so why do I feel this need to shut it down? Well, and it's interesting. You mentioned like there was sort of like some teasing or something going on, but you're like, you trust that it's like, you know, it's okay and playful and fun. And I think that's actually an interesting piece to pick up because sometimes when adults look at how kids are using online socializing, what doesn't look okay to us actually is okay to them and Mm. is playful and fun and silly and um, comfortable, you know, between kids. Um, and, and it's sometimes like it's happened where I've been involved with stuff where kids will bring me, you know, the the text thread where they feel they were harmed in the text thread and they show me the, the nasty thing that was said to them. But I look yeah. through the whole text thread. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what about all this stuff you said? <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, no, that was fine. Right. Like, and you're like, really? Right. I don't know. It looks pretty bad to me. And so I think part of the challenge in this as we sort of start to, you know, pull this apart and tease this apart is is our assessment of what's okay for them to be doing online the same as their assessment of what's okay to be doing online? And I think we can say sometimes we're not in alignment, but then the question is, well, who's right? Okay, so sometimes we're going to be right, and we also have to be open to the possibility that sometimes 
we don't get it. And what looks a little funky to us is actually totally how they communicate and comfortable for them. Well, so the answer there, I think, is to ask and to talk about it, right? So, you know, you you saw your son's thread and you might be like, wait, explain this to me. Like, this doesn't <laughs> look, you know, I, I, I'm sure I trust you totally that you say like yeah. it was playful and fine, but I can imagine a situation where a parent might be, you know, or I might be even looking at a text thread a kid has brought me and saying like, explain to me why this is okay. And, and to call the question, you know, not to shut it down, but to call the question and to see the value of calling the question because we want kids to reflect. We want them to think about how they're communicating. And that's a way to get those conversations started. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back on the Ask Lisa podcast. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it and they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herb squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash ask Lisa. 
Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. Lisa, I love your column in the New York Times that just came out. The headline is, How Teens Use Downtime to Connect, Distract, or Reflect. How does downtime help for teens, especially in this pandemic? Okay, so that's right. Okay, so that's the other issue. So there's first the question of whether or not they're using social media appropriately by their standards or ours. And then there's the question about even if they are using it appropriately, is it the best way to take a break? Mm-hmm. And I I had so much fun writing this column. It's it's the most recent one, and we'll put it in the show notes. Because what I got to think through in writing it, Rena, was the options that are in fact available to young people when they are when they have openings, when they have openings in their time, whether it's like twenty minutes, you know, between classes, or here come you know another round of breaks, so they're going to have a lot of time on their hands. And the default for a lot of teenagers, and I will also say I think for a lot of adults, is that we just hop online. You know, we just kind of go looking to see what's there. Yeah. And it's worth really unpacking the pros and cons of the downtime choices we make. And so there are a lot of upsides for teens of hopping online. It's like they miss their friends. They are able to connect. That is a wonderful thing. The piece that I start to get into in that column is But sometimes they hop online and it doesn't actually make them feel better. You know, that they Mm. see images of kids who are hanging out that either shouldn't be hanging out or they wish they were there hanging out with them or both. Um, Or they get like a yucky news headline because teenagers and tweens, like they get all their news often through their, you know, it's all like mixed in with their social media. And so one of the things that I think the parent in this letter might do, the parents in general might do, is to just ask teenagers just to say, look, when you need a break, how often is it that you hop online and you get what you're looking for versus you get something you didn't want? Like just Mm -hmm. to ask it as a straight up question. Yeah. You also mentioned in this article, which I found fascinating, is getting lost in distractions, which I find I do all day long without intentionally wanting to do. But it it felt so good to hear you say that actually getting lost in distractions, it's not really a bad thing. No, no, not at all. And, 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 you know, it's part of it is a form of coping. Like part of it is how we're going to get through the pandemic is just, you know, checking out and losing ourselves in, you know, fantastic TV or whatever. In, in researching this article, I talked to this, you know, terrific psychologist, Peggy Zakola down at um, the Ohio University. And she um, she made an excellent point that I included that distractions are especially useful if you're stuck in a worry loop. So if you have a kiddo or you yourself are ruminating about something, just there's something that you're just grinding on in your mind and getting nowhere and just feeling terrible, distractions are actually a way to take a break, you know, just to switch your channels in a way. And what she talked about, and I love this, is it has a physiological impact that when we're worrying, we are releasing all sorts of stress hormones into our bloodstream. And when we switch the channel, right, from our worries to whatever, you know, absorbing distraction we choose, it actually stops that process of dumping stress hormones into our bloodstream, which we need sometimes. Like we need to take a biological break from stress and distractions can do that. And that also may be a place where social media for kids doesn't work as well as maybe just losing themselves in a TV show because it may actually add to their stress sometimes, even if that's not why they got on it or was, wasn't was what they were hoping for when they got on it. Wow. So you mean 
I keep listening, and I don't know why, to Tim McGraw on Spotify over and over <laughs> and over again. And I'm, so now I'm wondering, is this my body and mind's way of coping with what I'm going through in this moment? Like, Sure. <laughs> Probably. Music has been a great escape for me, just listening to something. Uh, but, but you're saying that this creating this space for your mind to go somewhere is actually okay, and you recommend it. Definitely. I mean, definitely in normal times, definitely in the context of the pandemic. And, you know, especially if you're stuck in a mental rut, it can help you get out of that rut. But the other thing you're describing also, I mean, music is a really powerful influence on our mood. And I find my mood hard to regulate in the pandemic. You know, I I can Mm -hmm. find myself feeling kind of down or sad. More, much more than I normally do. I, I was in a super good mood yesterday, and I was like, wow, I wonder why I'm in such a good mood. And it was interesting to um, notice myself wondering why I would be in such a good mood. I think it was because we mm. got a huge amount of snow, and I love snow, <laughs> unlike you. That's nice. Yeah, unlike um, me. <laughs> but then the other thing I touch on in this article, and this for me was like so fun to research for this piece, was this idea, this third option. So you've got, you know, connection as an option for when we have downtime. And that's what this, you know, person who wrote the letter is talking about is that her kid likes to connect. And that's where all the downtime goes. I'm also lobbying for distraction as a use of downtime, right? Just if we need a break and we need a predictable relief, right? You don't know for sure that social media is always going to provide the relief you need. And then the third kind of break I talk about has to do with reflection. And there's this terrific body of research on this idea of soft fascination, which is things that we do that are interesting, but not that interesting. (laughs) Um, So stuff like going for a walk in a place that you know well, or taking a shower. But I also think it's a lot of stuff like washing dishes, or folding laundry. Who who has fascination with that? I understand. (laughs) Well, exactly. Soft fascination, meaning it's not that interesting. But what's cool about it, and I love the researchers on this, and, and I interview one of them for the piece, it leaves mind space to think about stuff. It takes only so much bandwidth to wash dishes or fold laundry or go for a walk, and then it leaves open bandwidth to start to think through things or solve problems or reflect on stuff, and that that can actually help us to clear up some of the mental clutter that we feel. And so the the way I, I think we might approach this with teenagers, who especially those who are like attached to their phones, might be to say, absolutely, if you need to connect with your friends, like that's probably where it's at, and I know you probably want to connect with your friends. If you're feeling stuck in a mental rut, go take a break. Like, go, like, watch something that you know is going to be wonderful. Like, you don't always know what you're going to find online. And if you're feeling like your mind is just, like, you have too many mental tabs open, don't Mm. open more by getting on your phone. Like, Mm. go for a walk. Or here, hey, fold laundry with me. Like, I'm sure they'll think that's awesome. Um, (laughs) But it's fun. And I think all of this applies to adults, too. It's fun to think about being a little bit more conscious in our decision-making around, I've got some time, what is my mental and emotional need right now? And what's the break I can take that's gonna suit that need well? And we should do it and we should help our kids do it. Hmm. So I wanna wrap up and go back to her, her final question in this about talking about online socializing and when has it sort of gone too far? Her last thing is, am I screwing her up? 
how do you know when giving your child free reign online, socializing is screwing them up? Like, what's the point you should be concerned? And when should you just learn to let go? Because you've taught me a lot about letting go with your child. Like, sometimes that's really what's needed. Yeah. I mean, I, I love this parent who's like, am I screwing my kid up? I mean, I think that is sort of like, we worry about that as parents. like All the time. Yeah. How about, are you going to be talking about this in therapy for a long exactly. time? Um, okay. So how do you screw your kid up? Like, let's like let's just like name it. Okay. So here's how to screw your kid up with online socializing. Let me lay out some options. One, I think, would be as if, like, I just can't get enough of this. If you let it get in the way of sleep. Sleep holds everyone together. Everyone needs it. Sleep is my favorite and we need to protect it. Another grounds for real concern is if what's happening socially is bad for your kid. So whether it means that they are engaged in socializing that is fundamentally harmful to them, harmful to others, or both. So they're getting, you know, cyberbullied or they're engaging in cyberbullying. I think that's grounds for concern. I also don't love it when kids are spending time online talking to people they don't know in real life. And I think that would be something that a parent would want to keep a close eye on. And if you think it's happening, I would say ask a lot of questions. Be really curious. Try to get a read on it. Consider limiting it. um, Get consultation on it. So in terms of like how to screw your kid up with online socializing, I would say (laughs) let it interfere with sleep. Let them either be a jerk online or be victimized by jerks online or um, let them find themselves caught up in a universe that isn't connected to their real universe. I would want that one you can hear the hesitation like it's not always the worst thing in the world and sometimes for kids who are you know unconventional in their communities finding a community online can be a wonderful thing but I just you can hear the big fat asterisk in my voice on that. Like mm-hmm. that I would keep a close eye on. That's how to screw mm-hmm. your kid up. That's what I would say. Wow. I never thought we'd do a podcast about ways you can screw your <laughs> child up in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> oh. So at least in the day-to-day, what are we really supposed to do? I think we need to be aware that our kids need a break and we need a break from whatever it is we're supposed to be doing. And we are all accomplishing and doing things in the pandemic, which is kind of amazing. And we take breaks. And we, and especially our kids, often just hop online to take a break. And what I would say is keep a conversation going about whether the break is acting as a break, whether the teenager at the end of that break feels better, restored, connected, ready to get back to business, do the things they're supposed to do, or whether the break is taking it out of them. And that's mm. when I think we want to watch that. And, and we just ask, just ask. Don't say, you do not seem to be happy being online socializing, so I'm shutting it down. I think we say, you seem pretty tired. Is everything going okay? Is hopping online talking to your friends, is it doing for you what it should be doing for you? I think it's mm. something like that. So talking to them about it, asking without just shutting it down to shut it down without explanations and having a conversation. Yeah, getting them to reflect. Is this serving me the way I want it to? And now you've got some other options you could offer, right? Do you want to go watch a show? Do you want to go for a walk? You know, that they need breaks. We need breaks. But we want to feel better at the end of them. So true. So true. You you think about that, and that's so important. Thank you very much. You bet. What do you have for four children everywhere today, Rena? 
You know, it got me thinking about socializing and online. So we're going to highlight crisis text line. Dot org. And the crisis text line, it was it came out of do something.org. It's really the largest organization for young people and social change. And they've created this text line where it doesn't matter what you're going through. It's international. You can text someone and connect with the crisis counselor online. And so many of our, our children ourselves, even we communicate with people by texting. So this is a way to reach out, get support online and You don't have to pick up the phone or go see someone via Zoom. It's a way to connect and get help. It's crisistextline.org. Terrific. Terrific. So, Lisa, what do you have for us for Parenting to Go? So, it is not easy to talk to kids about how they use digital technology because they use it so differently than we do, and it means something to them that it doesn't mean to us. And I think it's really... Um, tempting to be very judgy <laughs> of how they use their social media. Yeah. And I think, you know, of course, tweens and teenagers can smell judgment at 100 yards, and it is not a good way to get a conversation going. And so what I would say to parents is anytime you have to talk with your kid about how they're using digital technology, start by telling yourself something which not all, not everyone might agree with at first blush, but I'm going to totally stand by it. Which is to say, if we had had access to the technology they have when we were teenagers, we would have used it exactly as they use it. And, and I, I know who I was as a teenager. I mean, I know how much I took the phone and wanted it all night. And Rena, do you remember when call waiting came out? Right, like you could swap over and get the other call. Yeah, yeah. And then exactly. you could have the phone all night because you tell your parents, like, no, 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 I'll, I'll let you know if you get a call. Right, like, so I think. Tap into that part of your own memory, if you can, before rolling up on your kid to talk with them about how connected they feel to their technology and their friends through technology. And um, try to appreciate that as strange as their technology is, given, you know, if we compared to what we had, we probably would have given our left arm as adolescents to have what they have. And that's a really good stance to try to have these conversations from. That's a great perspective and one that I never would have thought to look at that way. But you know it's true, right? So true. Yeah. On so many levels. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Lisa. See you next week. See you next week. And be sure to follow us at Ask Lisa Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.